Canine Cast number 50 is brought to you by Home Again. Home Again Pet Recovery Service. ID Microchips at homeagainpets.com. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. And hello, everyone. This is Walter with your Canine Cast recap. In case you missed the last Canine Cast, Canine Cast number 49. We had a warning about Diamond Pet Foods. They've recalled their food, so you should go to diamondpetrecall.com to find out more about that, in case you missed that. And also, we had a question about a dog rubbing its face on its owner's leg, and we had a listener story as well. Thanks, Walter. And again, um, if you if you haven't already, please do go to diamondpetfoods.com. They are having a problem. Uh, some of the food was toxic. It got um, aflatoxin in it, which is something that can affect different types of crops. So they are recalling it in an effort to, you know, keep dogs healthy, keep it from affecting dogs. So again, if you do, if you do feed your dogs that, or if you know anybody who does, please go check out that recall to find out if the food that you have for your dogs may be affected by this. So I, for, for today, we're really excited because it's canine cast number 50, so we feel like that's a milestone. Woohoo! Yeah, we, I can't believe it's been 50 shows already. So, and we've been doing this for over six months now, but the time has just flown by, so it doesn't really seem like it's, it's been that long. But we just, you know, we keep on, on doing these because we have all of the support from you guys, our listeners, um, have all this interaction, and we really, really love it. It's just so great to, um, to, continue with this and to do this you know twice every week even even when our schedules get in the way sometimes it's actually actually it can be it can be a little interesting our schedule gets in the way we're like ah you know we want to do our canine cast and we have to have other things come up but we're so happy when we have a chance to get back into into the groove and actually do our show so uh, without further ado thanks everybody for sticking with us through these 50 shows and for today, we're going to be talking a little bit about light chasing. Uh, we had talked about that before. We had a, a listener write in a story about their dog that liked to uh, chase lights. And um, we actually have a question regarding it this time. We're gonna, so we're going to kind of touch on a different aspect of that topic today. We're also going to talk a little bit about dog toys. And we've done that in a couple of canine casts. Um, we we last did we last did one specifically on toys in Canine Cast number twenty five, but this time we're going to talk a little bit about um, homemade toys, and also some ideas for toys for dogs that are are really really rough on their toys, and then we also have a story from a listener um, that she that she sent in about her two dogs that we're going to share with you a little bit later, so um, for right now to start off talking about light chasing um, one of our listeners Melissa wrote in um, now she's she's written in before actually about Ginny and I'll probably reference that a little bit later but she writes in today I've been having a problem with my dog Ginny lately and I wanted to see if you had any advice on how to deal with it I listened to your show where you talked about laser pointers and dogs that follow them Ginny is obsessed with these she will stare at and follow the laser for as long as I point it. She has now taken this light chasing behavior further and is chasing reflections of light. The first time she started this, I was cleaning the stainless steel dog food bowls and they made a reflection of light on the ceiling. Ginny began staring at the reflected light on the ceiling and crying and shaking, then trying to jump at it. It took me a minute to figure out what she was doing, and when I did figure it out, it was initially amusing. 
This was about two weeks ago, but now her behavior has become a real problem. She goes after reflections from aluminum foil, silverware, or anything else that causes any type of reflection. She now goes crazy at the reflection, barking and jumping at it. She will not obey any commands to stop barking or sit while she is watching the light. She will not take any food or transfer attention to anything else. This has now gotten to the point that when I walk into the kitchen, she follows me and starts crying, looking for the reflection light. I also cannot get her to calm down for quite a while after she spots the reflection, even once it is gone. Do you have any suggestions about what I can do to stop this? I'm afraid she's going to hurt herself by trying to jump into the sink to get at the light. I live in an apartment, and I'm also worried the neighbors will complain about the periods of barking when I cannot quiet Ginny. Um, well, Melissa, there's there are a few things going on here. Now, now one thing, and I, I didn't even think to bring this up before because it's been so long since I've um, heard heard about something like this. For 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 people who play with their dogs with lights, most of the time it's fine. However, in some dogs, it can it can trigger what it sounds like you're experiencing with Ginny right now, which um, can be can be kind kind of like um, you know as as you said she's obsessed she's obsessed with it, and dogs can actually get some obsessive compulsive type behaviors. What I I mean whether or not it's like you know human OCD is actually you know that's that's a debate, and I don't you know really know that it's necessarily exactly the same. However, um, what happens is pretty much what you're describing. The dog will literally get obsessed with something with something like this. Um, light chasing is a, a fairly common one amongst dogs that have these. Um, another one is shadow chasing. Um, shadow chasing. Exactly what it sounds like. They'll chase shadows. It's, oh you know, kind of, kind of the opposite. They'll chase shadows. Um, and there's, you know, there's, there's lots of reasons for this. As a matter of fact, some people say that, you know, especially with certain breeds that are more prone to this kind of behavior that you, that you wouldn't want to play with lights with them because it can, you know, trigger it. And I mean, like that, that depends, that depends on the actual, on the actual dog. Like for example, with, um, with Jack Russell Terriers, they say that it's probably better to not play with lights with them because they are, they are so, so very, um, very, very ex excitable and determined to kind of hunt things to begin with because that's how they were bred, that it can trigger it in them. Um, now, with Ginny, you, you were actually wrote in before we remember because it was a really amusing story about how she was following your cursor on your computer and was, um, was wanting to actually get that. So um, it, it really sounds like Ginny probably has a very high prey drive. And a lot of dogs with um, the with the higher prey drives, it seems, tend to be a lot a lot more um, intense about about light chasing. So, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't always evolve into full blown obsessive behavior. But um, there and you know and there's there's a number of theories about it. Some say that it's because it's something they can see but they can't smell it or hear it, and that confuses them. But whatever whatever the case is, it does sound like she like she is getting um, a bit obsessive about this. So um, just just kind of some, a few ideas to try to get this under control since it's still a newer thing. Um, number one, I would say to put put away the the laser pointer um, or any other light games that you've been playing with her because um, that's you know probably getting her really interested in the lights. Um, I would stop doing that altogether, and I would also try try your best to eliminate these these lights from. Um, 
you know, from, from when she's around. Like, for example, like you said, that she now will follow you into the kitchen because she's, you know, all excited that the light may be there. What I would do is maybe try to keep her out of the kitchen. Um, if, if your dogs are crate trained, and I don't remember if you use crates with them, it might be a really good idea to put her in a crate in another room where she can't see the kitchen when you know you're going to be in there working with things that will reflect the light, um, you know, the dog bowls or the silverware or so on. Um, try, to, try to just, you know, eliminate this behavior from her repertoire right now while it's still new. And that may, that may get her to kind of calm down a little bit. And then I would keep in mind, you know, that um, light games just, you know, are not for her. So that's, that's the first thing that I would do. Now, um, as now I know that I know that you do that you do um, some obedience training with her, and that she's she's been doing pretty well. But now, since you said that um, you know when when this is going on, she goes so crazy that she won't listen to you. Um, that that's what I'm saying. You know, I, I would try at this point just completely eliminating it. If she if she would kind of listen to you when it was going on, I would say you could probably try training training her and managing it and teaching her a new behavior but it sounds like she um at this point is kind of is kind of past there and that may be really really difficult for you so um just try just try your best to eliminate it for right now if you've tried eliminating you know this this problem for Ginny, you know you've, tr you've tried getting her away from the lights and it's it's not working either because you know it's just not possible to eliminate all the lights or maybe she is you know um, showing this behavior towards other things now or for whatever reason it's not it's not helping then your next step would be to consult a trainer in your area someone who would be able to come meet with you and Ginny see what's actually going on and then would be able to work with you on creating a training plan for her now I, I know they've told us in the past that you train Ginny and that she does really well but my concern here is that you had said that um, you know that even with that she's not responding to you when the lights you know when she sees lights and she's going after them she won't respond by sitting and what um, what a trainer would hopefully be able to help you do is to go ahead and put together a program and work with her so that you'd be able to desensitize her to the light a little bit and kind of give her a different behavior to do when she sees one maybe to sit or to lay down um, and stay when she sees one something you know more along the lines of what um, of what you would rather her do rather than jumping up and barking um, that would be that would be something that's helpful to do and you know and I just I just I recommend that you consult you know a trainer in your area who can actually see you know see you and work with you because um, you know I, I hesitate to tell you to do it on your own because if you know if it becomes really difficult to desensitize her it could actually make the problem a little bit worse rather than better so um, so that's the next step that I would take go go ahead and work with that and that may or may not work if that doesn't work then the next thing that I would do is to consult an animal behaviorist um, now the difference between trainers and animal animal behaviorists are um, I mean, you know, animal behaviorists te technically are um, certified by the Animal Behavior Society. Um, they'll either have like a, a PhD in animal behavior, or there's veterinary behaviorists that will have a veterinary degree. So, um, so I'm, I'm talking about just like a kind of a completely different um, group of people here. Now, with with that, you have to kind of look at because you know some trainers will call themselves behaviorists even though they haven't you know necessarily gone through the certifications. And specifically, what I'm talking about here are these certified people. So you can you can basically 
figure out whether or not they're the type of behaviors I'm talking about by finding out what their certifications are. Um, and a veterinary behaviorist may even be the, the ultimate person to talk to because depending on what's going on here, some animals that show um, really obsessive behavior do actually have a, um, um, a psych not, not psychological, um, a basically a chemical thing going on in their heads that can cause it and you may actually want to look into some um, you know some pharmacological help with that now with those that 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 normally is something that they do for a short time it, it helps them you know get get back into a normal routine there's also a you know a training component and a management component with it so it's it's not like they just you know give you give you drugs for your dog and then tell you to go on your way they give you an entire plan that um, that the drugs are just supposed to help with it um, to get your dog back on the right track and then they're fine now um, like I said I would start I would start with just you know the eliminating it and that may that may fix it just by itself but go ahead and get started with working with this right away um, because Ginny has not been doing this very long which is great that's something that really really works in your favor however um, at the same time it seems like she's gotten up to a very high degree of this happening very very fast um, and oh, and also while you're doing all this of course at the same time you are going to want to you know exercise her as much as you can and I and I know that um, you generally take your dogs in some pretty good walks throughout the day but um but Ginny is a is a really really energetic dog and some dogs will develop this behavior kind of out of you know out of boredom or, or out of just an outlet um, because you know they're not they're not using the full amount of energy that they have so so really really try to also um, make sure she gets lots of exercise and do other things to enrich her environment such as using toys that will make her um, think that will make her kind of take things apart right and I mean and then of course there are some dogs where no matter what you do they're always going to be one step ahead of you and Jenny may just be this way. That's true. That's true. And that's and that's where you would, you know, that's where you would go on um work with work with a trainer um or, you know, maybe even go on from that and work with the work with the behaviorist. But um but for but for right now for like the next, you know, maybe maybe week or two, um you know, just try just try giving her as, you know, um you know, a, f a few different types of maybe um, new toys or, or rotate her toys out, um, particularly ones that will allow her to hunt. So things like Kongs or treat balls where she has to kind of get a treat out of it or move it around so that a treat will fall from it. Um, different types of puzzle toys sound like they would be great for her. She sounds like exactly the type of dog that would get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And it may, it may give her the outlet that she needs, but um, if she does, you know, if she does continue with this behavior, if you're not allowed to eliminate it, please don't waste any time um, going to get help because the sooner you start um, working, working to get past it, the, the better it'll be for and the easier it'll be for you both. So thanks, thanks for sending that in, and, um, and I wish you lots of luck with, um, with Ginny. And for, for everybody else out there, you know, if you, if you are playing light, you know, light games with your dogs using, you know, having them chase lights and stuff, that, I mean, I've, I've had a number of dogs that I've done that with, and I've not, you know, I've not had any problems. But, you know, but please do be aware that, um, you know, that, that it can become a problem in some dogs. If you do start seeing your dogs showing some obsessive type behaviors, particularly with, um, with lights that you're not playing with them, um, you know, please do immediately eliminate that particular game for them. 
um, just because it's probably, um, you know, it's probably just not a good one for that particular dog. Yes, thank you very much for your question. And next up, we have a question from Robert, and he has a question regarding dog toys. He writes in saying, I have some questions regarding dog toys. I have two dogs, Dottie and Wrigley. Dottie does well with stuffed toys and hard nyla bones, but Wrigley tears through stuffed toys very quickly, usually lasting less than a day. He doesn't care for the hard nyla bones, and if we get the soft nyla bones, Dottie steals it and goes through it in a day. They each got a red Kong recently. Dottie did okay with it, figuring out how to roll it to get the treats to fall out. Wrigley just tore the bottom off of his. <laughs> Rope toys just last a little bit longer, but aren't as interesting to either of them, or cause bickering between the two when one brings a rope toy for, to a human for some tug time. I'd like to reduce my toy budget and thought of making some homemade stuffed toys. Do you have any recommendations or thoughts regarding safety? I thought of using old socks and some kind of stuffing. Is the polyfiber fill available at cross stores okay? Are there some other toys you can recommend? Preferably anything that does not include a squeaker, as these can be difficult to get away from Wrigley. Thanks in advance for any help you can provide. Uh, dogs and toys and the interesting things that they do to them. Uh, sure, I have, I have some recommendations. For, first, I'll go through some recommendations for other toys that you may be able to try that might be good for Wrigley. Um, now, we, we, we went over some toys in, uh, in Canine Cast 25, and one of, the to one of the things that we had brought up were marrow bones. So those are really good for dogs to chew on, and they'll last quite a while, and dogs will just go crazy for them. Um, we talked about them briefly in Canine Cast 25, and then in number 30, um, one of our listeners actually wrote in with a great way to sterilize marrow, bo marrow bones that you can get from your neighborhood butcher. So, um, so that would be one to try that may be able to stand up to Wrigley's chewing at least, at least for a little while. Um, it may be one that they, that they actually both enjoy as well. The next thing that I would recommend that you try, you said that you had gotten some Red Kongs, which Wrigley tore up, which, by the way, is, is very, very impressive. That's rare. Yeah, the Kong people would like to know about that, I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah. That, that's, well, there are some dogs that are able to do that. So they do actually have Black Kongs which are even more heavy duty than the Red Kongs. So I would say that that would probably be worth a try as well um, because those, those, are, those are much, much tougher. If Wrigley can get through that, then, uh, then he deserves an, an award, I think, just, just for uh, sheer, sheer chewing power. <laughs> um, now, in addition, they also have uh, treat balls. And I'm not just necessarily talking about the Kong company. I'm talking about, you know, there are, there are different ones out there where ba basically what you do is it'll be, a, it'll be a ball and it'll have a hole in it where you can put treats in for the dog and then the dog has to figure out how to get the treat out. Um, this is part of what I was actually just, just talking about um, recommending for, for Ginny for like a hunting type of toy. Now these, these are absolutely great because they're, they are generally not made in a way that's easy to chew on them. So this would be one that Wrigley would have a tougher time tearing apart. Um, they, you know, they'll, they'll go ahead and dispense treats. So they're a, they're a lot of fun for the dogs. Um, some, some, some dogs really, you know, kind of, kind of get it and really like them and will follow them everywhere. Um, you know, some, some dogs aren't so excited. So you'd want to see whether or not, um, you know, Wrigley and Dottie like them, but it sounds like if they, you know, if they liked the, the Kongs with food in them, then this will probably be right up their alley. The only thing to look for is that in these treat balls, 
a number of them will make noises. It's not it's not quite a squeaker. Um, it's actually they'll call they call it a giggle noise, and it's it's kind of a funny sounding one, but it's actually just kind of air going through a uh, like a special little noise maker in it. So I so I don't know whether or not Wrigley would behave towards it the same way that he would a squeak toy, um, but. Even if even if he does the, the way the ball is shaped, it'd be kind of hard to, for him to keep it away from anybody. Anyway, so I so I would say um, to give that a try. If you can find one without the giggle noise, and that would probably be like perfect for you. But even if it has the noise, I think that in Wrigley's case, it might be all right. Um, another idea for you: you had mentioned that um, that he'll tear through stuffed toys, and we actually used to have that problem with Kyler. You would give her a toy and. 30 seconds later, it looked like it snowed inside the house, um, which was an especially good trick because we were in Florida at the time. But um, what actually broke her of that habit was for Christmas, someone gave us an unstuffed toy. And what it was is it was just a little fleece toy. It looked, was in the shape of a duck, and it didn't have any stuffing inside. It was just the fleecy outside. Now, this one actually did have a squeaker in it, but you may be able to find um, some without squeakers. Um, in any case, it was great because it kind of broke her of pulling the stuffing out. And you may find these um, in stores and the idea that behind them is people put treats inside of them or, or whatever and they toss it and the dog will get it and bring it back and then you'll open it up and give them the treat that's inside. But, you know, in this case you, there's just no stuffing inside of it so you can leave it unstuffed. Right. Well, there's, well, there's actually, there's, there's two, there's two kinds. Um, the first one that, the first one that our friend gave us, I actually haven't seen anywhere since, which doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. But, um, I mean, it was just, it, it was just fleece with nothing in it. And there was, you wouldn't put anything in it either. It just didn't work that way. It was just this big old floppy thing, um, which the dogs, which the dogs loved and didn't, didn't tear apart. Um, and then the other one that Walter's talking about now as well they, um, yeah, as he said, normally people will use them for, you know, for training motivation. They'll put, you know, food in them or whatever. Um, they normally come with a squeaker, so you can put a squeaker in there if you want to, but you don't have to. And then you have this unstuffed toy, but it's still plush and it's still fun for the dogs to play with. And you don't have to worry about them pulling the stuffing out. So that may be something to try as well. Um, the dog may, you know, the dogs may not tear it up because, you know, they're not trying to get a squeaker or stuffing out. Um, and, you know, and from that, they may even learn to not chew up the other toys, although, you know, I can't promise you anything there. But, um, but, I, but I would go ahead and try those um, just for, so those are some ideas for other toys that you can try that you might be able to find that the dogs hopefully won't be able to tear up as quickly. Now, so far as homemade toys, um, you had mentioned uh, using socks and polyfill stuffing. A uh, couple things about that. What I, I would recommend that when you do make um, homemade toys for your dogs, that you be really careful not to use anything that, if the dogs got a hold of something similar, you would be upset with that. So for some, some dogs are really, really great at being able to tell the difference between the sock that it is okay to chew and the sock that is not okay to chew. However, most dogs are not that great at telling the difference, and um, you know if they if they're okay chewing on one sock, then they think they're okay chewing on all socks, which you know is not necessarily what we want. So um, so keep that in mind with um, some of the materials that you that you choose. That if you you know if you do decide to give them, say a sock, they may decide that your sock drawer is now up for grabs too. Um, also, just just to make it um, you know easier on on you. 
I would recommend to try to try and get some of like the sturdiest materials that you can think of. Uh, for for example, we for we for a while had canvas toys that were sewn together. Ba basically, I used dental floss, but um, you could probably use dental floss or upholstery thread. Just some just some real real tough type of fabric with some real real tough type of thread to hold it together so that it's tougher for the dogs to pull it apart. Now, um, you'd ask about polyfill fiber. Now that, in, in most cases, that's fine. That's about what they use in dog toys that you get at the store. But um, if they do tear the toy apart, then they could swallow it. So you're going to have to supervise the dog with the toy at the minimum. But you may want to actually stuff the toy with some different types of things. Um, some some other great things would be um, big big rolled pieces of cloth. So like if you have any um, you know any scrap cloth after you've made the toys, um, washcloths, or even or even like if you can get pieces of fleece and kind of roll those up. Those are nice and soft. Those would be those would be better. Um, you just want to make sure that they're big enough pieces that if your dog does tear apart the toy and starts tearing on the um, the stuffing inside, that it'll be pieces that are big enough that it'll be you know tougher for them to tear apart and swallow. So um, so you can try that. In addition, you can actually kind of make the outer part of the toy in layers. So even if they do get through, say, you know, the first layer of your heavy-duty canvas that's sewn together with your upholstery thread, then um, the second layer will be there to keep them from kind of pulling the insides out. And of course, you know, and of course, with with those, you know, they'll probably get little holes in them and stuff anyway, but you know, who cares? You can just go ahead and, and sew them up. So those can last for quite some time, depending on how your dogs react to them. Now, um, so far as safety goes, I'd already recommended with the polyfill fiber that you, um, you know, go ahead and supervise your dog with that. Make sure that, um, you know, make sure that if it is in there, that your dog's only playing with it when you're around so that you can see if the dog tears the fiber out. And if the dog does, immediately take the toy away. Go pick up, go pick up the, the polyfill from around your house so that your dog can't swallow it. Um, and if your dog doesn't want to let you take it away, then what I would say is as soon as you do get it away, then don't use you know a toy that's stuffed that way anymore because it'll be a little bit too dangerous for your dog. Um, of course, any any toys that you do see um, that are damaged, then go ahead and um, you know and just repair them. You know, even if your dog tears them up a little bit more later, oh well, they don't they really don't care. They'll they'll play with the toy long after it doesn't look anything like it was supposed to at the beginning, um, just because it's still fun for them. Uh, and so f and on that note of what the toy looks like, any decorations that you want to put on it, just make sure that they can't be ripped off and swallowed. Um, like, you know, it's kind of similar to what you would do for a, a little child. You wouldn't want to give it a doll that had stick-on eyes. Same kind of thing for a dog. However, um, one, of, one of the best ways to decorate a dog toy would be if you want to just get, like, brighter fabric so that the decorations are already imprinted on the fabric, then that's a great way to do it. Or if you, you know, say you made it out of just plain white canvas and you want it, you could actually draw on it with like um, non-toxic markers, the kinds, the kinds that they have kids use and it has to be non-toxic because the kid might put it in their mouth. Same, same kind of thing. You know, if it's, if it's non-toxic, then it'll probably be okay for your dog as well. But um, for, for like, for us personally, um, like we, you know, I probably just wouldn't decorate it at all because you want to keep in mind the decorations are really more for us humans than for the dogs. So thanks so much for writing in about that, Robert. And, you know, best of luck with 
figuring out the dog toy situation. I know it can be a challenge sometimes when they go through them so quickly, but you know, this hopefully, hopefully some of these ideas will pan out and your dogs will end up with some new favorite toys. And now we're going to go ahead and um, put on a message from our sponsor. A dog's gotta do what a dog's gotta do. Hey, I should know. I'm a dog. Wolf. And what I gotta do is chase squirrels. Especially the one digging holes in my yard. Someday soon I'll get free and chase that lawn wrecker right out of town. You don't think your dog will run away? Your dog might think differently. One in three pets will get lost. Without ID, 90% won't return home. That's why vets recommend the Home Again Microchip, a safe, permanent ID that can bring your pet home. Talk to your vet about Home Again and visit homeagainpets.com. And thank you so much to Home Again for helping to support the canine cast and also for working so hard to, um, to promote the idea of microchipping to help people um, you know, get their, get their dogs back when their dogs get lost. We think that that's something so very, very important that this company is helping to do. Um, they have a great, great product. So please, if, you're, if your dog's not microchipped, then please go ahead and check them out um, so that you can get your dog microchipped. It's one of the absolute best ways to get your dog back home to you if it does get lost. We've had experience with it ourselves. And, um, and all the dogs we found that have, you know, that have had a microchip have gone right home. So, you know, it really, it really does work, and it's a really, really great system. So next, we have a story from a listener. This is, this is from Joanne, and she writes in about her two dogs um, and, and how she got them. Joanne writes, here is a short story about my dogs, Rascal and Lucky, and a picture of them in their Christmas outfits. For as long as I can remember, I have always wanted to have a dog of my own. When I was growing up, my dad would not allow myself or my brothers to have a dog, and so I had to wait patiently until I got married and was finally financially able to have a house of my own. By that time, I was 35 years old. At that time, one of my brother's co-worker's dogs had just had puppies. They were Labrador and Eng English Springer Spaniel mixes. When the time was right, I drove about an hour north into New York State to pick out my new puppy. I can still remember the day. I picked Rascal from her seven brothers and sisters because she was uniquely marked with a white mask, paws, and tummy, and had an interesting coat of both black and dark brown hairs. The tip of her tail was white also. She has been with me now for 12 years, and at nights when I get down onto the floor with her and stroke her, I tell her the story of how she waited just until the time I was able to have a puppy in order to be born. When Rascal turned seven and I started to work full time, I thought it would be good for her to have a companion to keep her company while I would be at work. I went to the shelter with my son and daughter and we adopted another lab mix named Lucky who is about half the size of Rascal. Having only had Rascal as a reference point, I was so surprised to see how different each dog's personality could be. Rascal is very laid back and relaxed. Lucky is a bit high strung and needs to dominate. After two weeks of establishing the pecking order, Lucky won. Sometimes I still think that Rascal isn't so keen on sharing her household with Lucky, and her sad look sometimes seems to say, why did you have to go and bring her home? I have a comment on one last thing. As I mentioned, both Rascal and Lucky love their table food. Although they have table food daily, they enjoy a portion sizable enough to enjoy, but not large enough to make them overweight. Some of my friends have started dropping off their doggy bags from restaurants for Rascal and Lucky. I kid around and tell the pups and my friends that Rascal and Lucky eat at all the best restaurants in town. It's true that they enjoy all types of cuisines. 
When I visit Europe for work, I come back home and tell my dogs that in Europe, the dogs are allowed in restaurants and malls. They want me to take them with me on one of my future trips. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed my little story as much as I enjoy my two old ladies, as I affectionately call them. Rascal is now 12 and Lucky is 15. It's hard to see them get older, but I try to provide them with as much fun and enjoyment as they're willing to bear. I'm attaching a few pictures for your enjoyment. Best regards, Joanne. Thanks, Joanne. Oh, these these pictures are so cute. As as Joanne said, one of them is the two dogs in their Christmas outfits, and there's you know a couple of other ones. But uh, but I just I just love this story. It's it's so neat how she brings up the different personalities because it's it's amazing. I mean, you know, you think you think of dogs, you think of certain certain things and certain nice personality traits, and while it's true that most dogs will have them. It's absolutely amazing what individuals they really, really are. And it sounds like these two are, uh, are quite different from one another. Yes, and if you want to see those pictures, those will be in the listener's picture gallery. And if you have the Enhanced Podcast rolling on your iPod or on iTunes, then we had been showing the pictures during the story. And right now, there is a picture of them and their Christmas outfits up. Yes, so thanks again for for sending in that story and also for sending in the pictures. We're always so tickled when we get listener stories and pictures. Um, We we absolutely love hearing about the dogs in other people's lives and um, the different you know situations that they that they run across. Um, So it's really really great. So please continue sending those in to us. Um, You can either email them to us or you can send us stories um, via voicemail. All that information. For you to contact us will be available at the end of the show. Um, we also love getting questions from listeners and um, and going over those. And some some of the recent ones I've gotten have required a little bit more research, so I'm kind of they're taking a little bit longer. But thanks so much for everybody who keeps sending um, these into us and interacting with us on the show because you guys are really really what makes it great and what makes it so fun for us to do. Yes, thank you for 50 wonderful shows. Yes, we, we appreciate from each and every single one of you. And so we're gonna yeah, we're gonna wrap up our fiftieth fiftieth show right now. It's oh it's so it's so exciting. I still can't believe it's been this many. But um of course, as always, if you haven't yet, please remember to spay or neuter your dog. It's the best thing you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about Canine Cast, please send an email to caninecast at gmail dot com. Or you can leave a voicemail at 206-338-DOGS. And you can leave a comment on our website at caninecast.com.